I am quite certain that all of us who are assembled here this morning are aware of the date on the calendar. Today is September the 11th, 2022. The 21st anniversary of the terrorist attack on our nation. On this day, 21 years ago, almost 3,000 people lost their lives in that attack. At that time, and over the intervening years, I've wondered about those people. I've often wondered if of those 3,000 that lost their lives that day, how many of them were in worship on the previous Lord's Day? Had they known what was in store for them, I'm quite certain that I'm on safe ground to say that all of them would have been in church. But I've also wondered about those who preached to some of them that day. Those who were preaching in audiences in New York and Washington in that area where members of that audience lost their lives on that fateful Tuesday. And I wonder if those preaching that day had known what was in store, would their choice of sermon topics have been a bit different? Someday, and I don't know when it will be, It could be in the morning. But someday the sun is going to come rising over the eastern hills. It's going to flood this old earth with its warm and mellow light, and I'm not going to see it. I will not bask in its beauty, nor will I enjoy its warmth. The birds will be singing their songs early in the morning, and I will not hear them. The flowers will perfume the air with their sweet fragrance and I won't be around to enjoy it. Because I will have kept an appointment the Hebrew writer tells us about in Hebrews chapter 9 verse 27. It's appointed unto man once to die. For those who went to work in those twin towers 21 years ago or at the Pentagon 21 years ago, It was just another day at the office. But for many of them, it was their last day at the office. And if you remember just a few years earlier, the Murrah Federal Building in Oklahoma City. People in Oklahoma City that day went to work just like every other morning. They kissed their spouse goodbye. They dropped the kids off at school or at daycare and... There was every indication it was just going to be another day. But many of them never returned home. In any audience, no matter the size of that audience, at any given point in time, there might be someone hearing the Word of God proclaimed for the very last time. I remember when I was a boy preacher, and it takes a good memory to remember that far back. 
But I remember when I was a boy preacher, preaching at a rural congregation up in northern Marion County. We had a dear man there, faithful Christian. He was there Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. He was an elderly man. He had just turned 65. He had some health problems. He had missed the previous Sunday because he was in the hospital. And on the Sunday that he was there, I asked him, I said, How are you doing today? It's so good. I missed you last Sunday. How are you this morning? He said, Well, Brother Tim, I'm not doing very well. I said, Well, what's wrong? He said, Well, I read the newspaper and I read about people dying that never died before. He and I laughed about that. On Thursday of that week, I preached his funeral. The very first funeral I ever preached. If I had known that was going to be the last time I'd see him, would our conversation have been any different? Would my sermon topic that Sunday have been a bit different? I don't know. A little closer to home. If you'll remember, it was just three months ago that Norm and myself, along with the boys and the girls and the grandkids, we took a big family trip to the Great Smoky Mountains. We finished Sunday dinner the day before we left. We were leaving early on a Monday morning. We finished Sunday dinner. Joyce Holt said to Norma, she said, take lots of good pictures. I want to see them when you get back. Sitting on the porch on top of a mountain in North Carolina on Friday, we found out Joyce was in the hospital. She passed the following Thursday. Those of you who are members of this congregation remember that. The last thing that Joyce talked about was take lots of pictures. I want to see him. She had plans. We all had plans. Someday, I will preach my very last sermon. My eyes will close in death and my lips will be sealed. And I've often thought about that. If I knew that today would be the very last opportunity I would ever have to preach, what would I want to talk about? If I knew this was the last sermon that you would ever hear, what would I want to say? I'm quite certain if I knew this was my last sermon to preach or if this was the last sermon you would ever hear, I wouldn't make it on some grand or beautiful theme. I wouldn't necessarily be concerned with the eloquence of speech that I might use. I would not try to deliver some learned and scholarly lecture. Most folks think I couldn't do that if I wanted to anyway. But I wouldn't want to render some or tell you some learned or scholarly lecture on some obscure theme or biblical topic or talk about the difference in paradise and Tartara or where are the dead or anything like that. 
If I was preaching my very last sermon this morning, I'd want it to be a very simple statement on the essence of Christianity. When we turn to the pages of the New Testament, we find a man that so far as we know never heard but one sermon from a certain preacher. And so far as we know, that was the only sermon that preacher ever preached to that man. And we're given by inspiration an account and an indication of the sermon God provided for that man. There was an Ethiopian nobleman. He had traveled almost a thousand miles from his home in Africa to Jerusalem. And he had made that long journey to worship God. And having fulfilled his obligations at the temple, he was riding his chariot back toward the continent of Africa. Going back to his work, he was a cabinet member in the administration of Candace, the queen of Ethiopia. And God sent an evangelist to him. I call him a hitchhiking deacon by the name of Philip. But God sent an evangelist to him to proclaim the message of salvation. Here's the reading in, by Dr. Luke in Acts chapter 8, beginning in verse 26. The angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, saying, Arise, and go toward the south, to the way that goeth down from Jerusalem unto Gaza, which is desert. And he arose and went, and behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Candace, the queen of Ethiopians, who had the charge of all of her treasure, and had come to Jerusalem to worship, was returning and sitting in his chariot, and he read Isaiah the prophet. Then the Spirit said to Philip, Go near, and join thyself to this chariot. And Philip ran to him, and heard him read the prophet Isaiah, and he said, Understandest thou what thou readest? And he said, How can I, except some man should guide me? And he desired Philip that he would come up and sit with him. The place of the scripture which he read was this. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter. And like a lamb dumb before his sharer, so opened he not his mouth. And his humiliation, his judgment was taken away. And who shall declare his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. And the eunuch answered Philip and said, I pray thee, of whom speaketh the prophet? Of himself or of some other man? Listen to it. Then Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. And as they went on their way, they came to a certain water. And the eunuch said, See, here's water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? And Philip said, If thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And he commanded the chariot to stand still. They went down both into the water, both Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they were come up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord called away Philip that the eunuch saw him no more. And he went on his way, rejoicing. That's what I think I'd do. If I knew this was the last opportunity I would ever have to preach to any group of people, I'd want to do just what Philip did that day. I'd want to preach Jesus. I like to think that probably Philip began with the Old Testament prophecies about Jesus Christ. 
He probably started with Isaiah 7, 14. Behold, the Lord shall give you a sign. A virgin shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Emmanuel. And no doubt, Philip would have spent a lot of time in Isaiah chapter 53. That's where the eunuch was reading, by the way. He's despised and rejected of man. A man of sorrows acquainted with grief. And we hid as it were our face from him. He was despised. Surely he hath borne our griefs. He's carried our sorrows. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned every one to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. I'm sure Philip would have recited passages from the prophecy of Isaiah. And he no doubt would have mentioned other prophecies in the Old Testament. Joel and Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel and, and others. And then he would have told how in the fullness of time, Jesus came to this earth. Because John 3.16 says, God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. And then the birth at Bethlehem must have come next. And it would have been easy for Philip to make that part of the story very real. You see, this eunuch had just passed through Bethlehem not long before Philip joined himself to the chariot. And the hillside homes with their stables underneath would have been something this eunuch would have seen as he made his way along the road. And so Philip could have told him about how that Jesus was born in a stable there. He was laid in a manger. And the eunuch could have, and Philip could have made that part of the story very vivid for him because of what he had just witnessed. He could have told about Herod misunderstanding the mission of Jesus and wanting to murder all the babies and how the flight to Egypt came next. And of course, that would have been something familiar to this Ethiopian eunuch, the road down to Egypt. Mary and Joseph had probably traveled down the very same road that that eunuch was traveling on his way back to Africa. And he would have told about Jesus being taken to Nazareth. He would have told about him being in the temple at the age of 12, asking questions of the doctors and the lawyers and all of the learned men there. And You know, I'm certain Philip, probably with his acquaintanceship with some of the early apostles, and perhaps even being an eyewitness to Jesus, I'm sure Philip could have possibly related events that are even unknown to us to tell that eunuch more about Jesus Christ. He was able to tell him enough to impress upon him the reality of Jesus and the greatness of Jesus. He would have told him about Jesus coming to John out at the Jordan River to be baptized. And John saying, no, I have need to be baptized of you and you're coming to me. But Jesus said, no, you've got to allow me to do this because we've got to fulfill all the commands of God. And then he could have told him about after his Baptism by John. He went out into the wilderness all alone. And there in hand-to-hand -hand combat, he met the arch enemy of mankind. It says he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights. He was hungry, you think? And they saw some stones. The devil said, 
if you're the Son of God, command these stones be made bread. And Jesus looked at the devil and he said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Well, he took him up to corner of the high corner of the temple. He said, Cast yourself down. It is written. He said, Cast yourself down. And the Lord will protect you with his angels if you're the Son of God. And Jesus says to the devil, He said, It is written, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. So he took him up to a high mountain. He showed him all the kingdoms of the earth. And the devil said to Jesus, He said, You fall down at my feet and worship me, and I'll give you all this. And Jesus said, Get behind me, Satan. It is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and Him only thou shalt serve. And he told him after that temptation by the devil, and after Jesus came victorious, he said his active ministry started then. And that's when he called those twelve men to be his apostles. And it's possible that Philip even called them by name. Peter and Andrew and James and John and Philip and Bartholomew. Jesus called these men to be his apostles. And he would have told them about the work that they did. He would have told him about the miracles Jesus performed. How he touched blind eyes and made them see. He made the deaf to hear, the lame to walk. He raised the dead. He would have told him about all the wonderful things that Jesus did. He would have told him about him healing that woman with the issue of blood. He would have told him about him raising. Lazarus from the dead. And he would have told him about the widow's son, Jairus' daughter, and all those Jesus raised from the dead. And then he would have said, but you know, as popular as he was, the tide of popular opinion turned against him. And they suborned perjury against him. And he appeared in a kangaroo court. He appeared before Annas and Caiaphas and Pilate. And they demanded his death. And this man that had gone about doing good, who had healed the sick and raised the dead and made the blind to see and the lame to walk, they nailed him to a cruel, hated Roman cross. And he died there. And they took him down and buried him in a barred tomb that belonged to Joseph of Arimathea. And I can imagine that probably at that point, Philip probably paused for a long moment. And the eunuch said, well, is that the end of the story? Oh, no, that's not the end of the story. He came forth victorious over that grave. He was resurrected. He was seen by the apostles and about 500 brethren. He was seen by all these others. And that's when Pentecost came, 50 days after that. And on Pentecost, we were all gathered together in Jerusalem. And there were wonders and signs that were done. And you see, Philip would say to that eunuch, that's when the church started. Because Peter got up and preached that day, and there were these people from all these different nations, and each man understood in his own language. And Peter brought that sermon to a close, and he said, this same Jesus you've crucified, God has made both Lord and Christ. And when those people heard that, it said they were pricked in their hearts. It touched them. 
It touched them deeply. It cut them to the heart, to the quick. And they said, Peter, to Peter and the rest of the apostles, what shall we do? He said, that's when Peter told them, repent and be baptized. Every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins, you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for the promises to you and to your children, all them that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And with many other words that day, Peter testified, exhorted. He told them, save yourselves from this untoward generation. And you know what happened? He said, you should know what? He said, they that gladly received his word were baptized and they were added to the church that day 3,000 souls. He said, you know, because of Jesus, we've got a hope beyond this veil of tears here. Before he was going to be crucified, he called his apostles to him. And he said, let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. And if it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I'll come and receive you unto myself. That where I am there you might be also. But he was said to that, you know, he was said, but you know, all this is contingent on us being obedient to what he tells us to do. You know, Jesus said in that Sermon on the Mount, everyone that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them is likened unto a wise man that built his house on a rock. The rain descended, the floods came, the winds blew and beat upon that house. It fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. But everyone that hears these sayings of mine and doesn't doeth them not, be likened unto a foolish man to build his house on the sand. The rain descended, the floods came, the winds blew, they beat upon the house, and it fell. And great was the fall of it. What was the difference in the two? One was built on the foundation, the solid rock of obedience to Jesus Christ. The other was built on the sand of disobedience. And you see, I can imagine at that point, Philip just stopped. Because at that point, what has Philip done? He's preached Jesus, hasn't he? He's told him the reader's digest condensed version of the life of Jesus Christ. And then the next thing is that we hear from the eunuch. The eunuch turns to Philip. He said, here's water. What hinders me to be baptized? You see, he had heard about what happened to those on Pentecost. And Philip said, well, if thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. He said, I believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. And that's when they stopped the chariot. And Philip and the eunuch got out and they both went down to the water and Philip baptized him. After that, the Spirit of the Lord caught Philip away and the eunuch went on his way rejoicing. That's what I do. If I knew and had advance notice of the last sermon I would ever preach or the last sermon that someone in my audience would ever hear, I would want to do that just what Philip did. I'd want to preach Jesus. And I would hope, like the song that we sang, Tell Me the Story of Jesus, right on my heart, every word. I would hope that preaching Jesus Christ would motivate men and women to live the kind of life Christ wants them to live. And that's my objective this morning. That telling you about Jesus Christ would motivate you to live His kind of life.
Now that all starts by becoming a Christian. By doing just what those on Pentecost did and just what the eunuch did. And if you haven't done that, I beg you to do it before you leave this building this morning. But maybe you've done that, but you haven't lived God's kind of life. You haven't done things the way God wants you to. Maybe you need to come back to the Lord and let brothers and sisters pray with you and for you. Don't know what's going on in your life. But here's the great question. Some of you may have heard this question before. Is Jesus Christ the Lord and Master of your life? Because you see, if Jesus is not Lord and Master of all of your life, He's not Lord and Master at all in your life. And maybe there are changes you need to make. If we can help you make those changes for Jesus to be Lord and Master of all of your life, come and let us help you as together we stand. And while we sing.